0: Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for investing in what we're doing in Douglas County. Uh, like um, Joel said, my name is Keith Wagner. Um, I'm married to Katrina. We have Harrison and Hunter. I heard uh, someone yelling earlier, Hunter, come here, Hunter, come here. And I'm like, man, I say that all the time. <laughs> so I felt right at home. Um, but uh, as, as Joel said, um, I used to be uh, employed. I don't want to say worked, because that might give you the wrong idea of what I did. Um, I was employed at Atlanta Christian College, um, and then I left there and went to Woodland Christian Camp, and, um, and I, I just I got out of full-time ministry, okay? I did. Um, uh, my dad and brother and I, we bought a Subway. We thought, hey, you know, we'll, we'll try this, and uh, it doesn't make us any money. So um, I had to start a lawn care business, start cutting grass, and in the midst of all of that, um, I was coaching my son's baseball team, Little League, and at the time, the head coach from Douglas County High School, his two boys were on my, ba- on my baseball team, and in the fall of 2014, um, they had a young man on the football team who died. Um, I felt like all I was supposed to do was reach out, let the coach know I was praying for him, let him know if he needed anything, I was there. That's, that's all I felt like I was supposed to do. And then the spring of 2015 rolled around, and I really felt like God was talking to me. <laughs> you ever had that? And, and, and he starts telling me, "Keith, I'm not, I'm not done with you. I, I need you working with young people." And you know how we do. <laughs> well, God, I am working with young people. I'm, I'm coaching Hunter's baseball team. And it was like, no, no, that, that's, that's not enough. And I'm like, but. But, God, I'm, you know what I'm doing. After every practice, I'm doing a character word study. You know, I start out with, with good sport and teamwork, and, and I end up with the fruit of the Spirit, you know. So it's about you. And what was really interesting was some parents who were actually believers, they'd come up to me, and they're like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> I'm like, well, good, I'm glad you do. Um, but I really felt like God was saying, no, I need you to go and talk to the coach. And I'm like, for what? You know, and and I felt like he kept saying, be a chaplain, be a chaplain. I'm like, I don't even know what that looks like, you know. So one, one Saturday after a baseball game, I look up in the stands, and the coach is sitting up there by himself. And I felt like God's giving me that little elbow and saying, he's up there for a reason by himself. Get up there. So... I reluctantly, but I did it. I, w- I woke up. I'm like, you know, we have a little small talk, and I'm like, all right, coach. I said, I got a strange question for you, and he said, all right, what's that? And I'm like, do you have a chaplain for your football team? And he said, well, you know, as a matter of fact, the guy we had just took a job elsewhere, so we're going to be looking for some, for looking for one. You know, somebody interested. And in my mind, I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> but isn't that the way God works? So I kind of swallowed real hard, and I looked at him, and I said, me? And he said, are you an ordained minister? And I said, yes. He said, I told my wife there was something different about you. And I said, coach, there's a lot different about me, but let's stick to this conversation about being the chaplain, all right? So I go the next week, sit down in his office, and we we come up with a plan um, for me to be the chaplain, okay? Now, I'm going to be honest. This had absolutely nothing to do with, with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I just felt like this was God talking to me and telling me what I needed to be doing. Once I got in there, I got connected with FCA, you know, and they come up, hey, we need to get you certified, you know, and I'm like, I'm not doing this for FCA. I'm doing it because God wants me to do it, you know. But little did I know that was God working through them through me so that I'm here today. Now, it didn't just happen overnight, okay? I volunteered for three years, before coming on staff um, and, and it was really interesting at the end of that first year the head coach got fired um, He he would talk the talk let me tell you he wouldn't let the coaches cuss he wouldn't cuss he wouldn't let the players cuss but he was having an affair with the assistant principal so he got fired they bring a new guy in I'm like I don't even know if I'm still gonna be around or not you know so I meet the new coach. He says, no, you keep coming and doing whatever you're doing. He said, I need you here as much as these players do. So it was during that second year that I'm volunteering. Um, I'm standing on the football field. The guy started talking to me again. <laughs> and he said, uh, have you looked around this school? And being a smart aleck that I am, <laughs> standing on the football field, and I'm like, yep, just looked around it. <laughs> and he said, there are more than just football players here and I was like doggone it he's right (laughs) so I went to the athletic director and I said what would it look like if I hung around after football season and his exact words were Wagner you come do whatever you've got to do I mean I was given an open door at Douglas County High School so after football season that year I became the chaplain for the wrestling team the basketball team the soccer team and baseball team. <laughs> I can't just half do something, okay? I've got to jump all in. So all of that to tell you, that, that's kind of the background of, of how I got involved with FCA. Um, and, and right now, um, I'm still in the fundraising part of my, my, my little journey. Uh, so right now, I'm still doing all of my work at Douglas County High School. Once I get full time, I'm going to be over two high schools and all of the middle schools and elementary schools that feed those two. Um, and our county director will be over the other three high schools and all those. But just so you know, um, in my opinion, the absolute biggest mission field in America are the public schools. If you look at statistics, statistics will tell you that out of those, um, those young people, that age group of about 12 to 18, only about 14% are involved in church. But the thing is, is you look at those same numbers and out of that same age group, about 98% go to public school. So what we do is we show up where they are. Um, We we do this first through coaches. Um, Our coaches, uh, we believe that if we can reach the coach, the coach is going to give us access to the teams, which will give us access to the athletes, and if you look around a school the two most influential people on a, on a school campus are the coaches and the athletes. As a matter of fact, Billy Graham has said that a coach will probably impact more people in one year than the average person does in their entire lifetime. So if we can in, impact the coaches, get in with them, and allow them to give us access to the teams then there, there's no telling what we can do. J- just to give you an idea, we, we do uh, Bible studies with the different teams that I'm the chaplain of, and we also have other people that are chaplains of other teams for us. Um, but so what we've done is we, we started last year, my wife and I and family, we started inviting the, the teams over to our house. So we take 10 Sunday nights in the fall and have a small section of the football team come over to our house. Um, and it, this, th- these aren't just football players. Um, these are our family Um, we've had more people from outside of our blood relatives come to our house and they're all from the school they're all on these sports teams Um, just to give you an idea of how ingrained in our kids um, minds Douglas County High School is (laughs) so I have my youngest is is three and last year we were watching the nba finals i don't remember what you know what arena they were playing at but on the on the tv the the fans are yelling defense defense <laughs> and my 3-year-old stands up on the couch and starts hopping up and down and yelling dc dc he thought they were cheering for douglas county <laughs> so that's how ingrained this is in their lives because They go to the games with us. They're they're at the house when these guys come over. Um, As a matter of fact, my wife and youngest were just at PetSmart yesterday and ran into one of the football players, you know. That's what happens when you start these relationships with people. You start seeing people all over the place. So we we have them over to our our house so that we can invest in them. And and it's amazing. Um, I knew, I knew a great majority of these young people that their dad was not in their life. But the number of these guys who their dad, they don't even know who their dad is. I mean, it, it just, I mean, it got me because I'm like, man, this is, this is bigger than I thought it was. You know, we're, we're not just trying to influence them for Christ, but we're having to actually step in and, and be a father figure for them because they have no male influence in their life whatsoever. So, so we got to get in with the coaches. But the other thing is you got to understand a coach. A coach goes into a place, say a football coach, he goes into a school and he, he, you know, he's like really, really, you know, known because he's the football coach. As long as they win, he's okay, right? If he starts losing, they get rid of him, okay? And, And the people that get rid of him are the same ones that were his biggest cheerleaders when he was winning. And so coaches are very untrusting of people. I mean, think about it. If your biggest cheerleader is also looking to axe you, you know, you're a little leery. You're looking over your shoulder. So these coaches are very untrusting. And so we go in and we build relationships with them. And these relationships aren't built on whether they win football games or they win basketball games or they win baseball games. These are relationships built on our love in Christ that we want to pour into them. And and it's interesting because we've had the opportunity Last year, I had a coach, he came to me, and he said, hey, uh, I, actually, one of the things I do for him is before every home game, I'll go and I'll sweep the field, make sure it looks nice and pretty. And So one, I was just finishing up that one Friday morning, this coach had pulled in, and I'm like, hey, coach, how you doing? I could tell he was down. And he said, um, my wife just asked for a divorce. And so we, we stood there, we talked, we cried, we prayed together. And over the next few months... Um, he leaned heavily on the relationship he had with me because he said he didn't know who else he could trust. Um, we were able to save that marriage, um, and, and they're, they're doing great, but again, he leans on me because he doesn't know who else he can trust. So that's what we're there for is for these coaches, but once we get in with the coaches, we also, um, then we, we try and reach the campus, okay? So at all of these schools, we actually have what we call huddles, um, if I'm, a, if I'm a chaplain, that, that's a huddle. Uh, but we also do a student huddle. So like at Douglas County High School, we have a student huddle on Wednesday morning. Um, we, we offer um, the Word. We've got a church that's partnered with us that have decided that they would help us serve Jesus biscuits, which are Chick-fil-A. Um, and so we, we've had over 250 young people begin coming to this. Um, and a lot of people say, well, they're only coming for the biscuit. And that might be the only reason they're coming. But while they're there, they're getting Jesus, you know, and we don't ever know what kind of impact we're going to make, you know, as a, as a matter of fact, a young man who graduated two years ago, okay, graduated two years ago, I was able to be with him for one year because he was a senior, and so he moved on. But, but I got to think that during that one year, we, we do devotions every week with the team, that something kind of stuck, and this past year, he made a commitment to Christ and got baptized. He puts it all on Facebook and on Twitter, and, and I see that, and I'm just like, dude, you know, th- there was probably a little seed, a little seed that we planted that someone else nurtured and, and helped grow in so that he now has a relationship with Jesus. And so some of these young people, they may never step foot in a church uh, while they're still in high school, but we're giving them Jesus. Um, and so we, we have these, uh, these campus huddles. Uh, just to give you an idea, we have over 70 of them taking place every single week in Douglas County. Um, Seventy. <laughs> That's a lot. And, and the thing about it is a lot of people don't realize what we're doing because we don't go out and broadcast it everywhere. You know, We, we do these before school. We do them after school. And people are like, how in the world can you do these things? It's because we're doing it before school and after school. We also have uh, coaches' Bible studies that take place on every single campus each week. Um, so we're, we're pouring into them as well. Um, another thing that we do is we do camps. Um, I had absolutely no idea when I got involved with FCA that, that we did camps. So during the summer, there are camps going on all the time. As a matter of fact, the absolute largest football camp in the country takes place at West Georgia University of West Georgia. This past year, we had over 40 teams that came and, um, and got to participate not only in football, but then before they do it in the morning and after uh, in the evening, we, we would have worship times. Uh, this was the first year we were able to take Douglas County High School, and it showed me that what I'm doing is, is making a difference. We took 50 football players, and 13 made first-time decisions for Christ. I was like blown away, you know. And so all of a sudden, this, this stuff that I've been doing over the years, you start seeing some results. And it says, you know, this is right where you're supposed to be. But we, we also, in addition to the, the football camps, they also have leadership camp and coaches camp. FCA takes advantage of July 4th week. If you don't know anything about the high school sports, the Georgia High School Athletic Association tells the coaches and teams, you cannot do anything the week of July 4th. Coaches can't contact their players. They can't have any kind of practice. So what FCA does is they offer a camp for coaches and their families to to get away and to go and be fed and be recharged before they go back out because if we're not pouring into the coaches, the coaches can't pour into the kids. So we have an opportunity. And this past year, uh, Douglas County FCA sent over 225 coaches and students to camps. Um, and, and over the past year, we've had under, over 186 decisions for Christ. Um, another thing that we do is we, we try to reach out in the community. Um, this is one of those areas that is lacking in a lot of the FCAs because we just don't have the manpower. So what what FCAs kind of come up with is they've s- started this new thing called FCA Elementary. Now, if you think about it, there are no athletic teams at the elementary schools, Right? None. But if you start looking at the number of young people in those schools that participate in rec league sports, you have a higher percentage of young people in those schools participating in sports than you do at the middle school and high school level. So FCA has started FCA Elementary. Um, We're getting ready to launch one of those in Douglas County um, and, and see how that goes. They just launched their first one in West Georgia last month, had over 200 kids there. Um, so th- w- this is a way that we're going to try and reach as many of these young people in the county as possible. Now, in addition to all of that, what we also do is we, we put resources in the coaches' hands. Um, Bibles, uh, we, give co- we have coaches' Bibles and athlete, athlete Bibles, and in the back of those Bibles are daily devotionals that they can use to help further their walk with Christ. We also have devotionals that have been written by FCA people that one of them is called Whistles and Bows, that's so that the coach and their wife can actually have a Bible study together. Um, we also have other Bible uh, studies for young people, for, for athletes, for regular students. doesn't matter. Um, we'll, we'll take whatever we need to and put it in the hands of people so that we can help them in their walk with Christ. I know that in Douglas County, we just spent, at the beginning of this school year, over $1,500 so that we could provide Bibles and, and Bible study materials to the coaches and athletes that had asked for them. Um, so we, we constantly are doing what we can to pour into these coaches and pour into these athletes. Uh, some of the other stuff that's out there um, are just some of the resources that we have, and that is a small sampling of the resources we have. Um, but I would love to, I've got story after story after story of lives that are changing because of what we're doing in Douglas County. Um, I mean, j- just to give you an idea, we, um, I said it's a family for us. Um, we, we have a coach living with us. <laughs> um, he's 23 years old, uh, just graduated from college. His parents live in South Georgia, and he was trying to, to come on staff at the school as a parapro. If you know anything about parapros, they don't make any money. And so yeah, I started asking him, well, where are you going to live? And he said, well, I found an apartment. It's the cheapest one I could find. at $700 a month. And I'm thinking, first of all, if it's the cheapest one, it's probably not in the best part of town. If it's $700 a month, that's taking almost every bit of his paycheck. And so when we have these young people over, these football players, I, I tell them, I'm like, look, my house is your house. If you ever need to get away from your mom and dad or your family for anything, you, you're, you can come here. I said, but know this, as a parent, I'm calling your parents and letting them know where you're at so that they know you're safe. I said, but you're more than welcome to come here. So when I'm talking to this coach, and he's telling me, you know, all this, I'm like, well, look, just come move in with us. He's like, well, I mean, don't you need to talk to your wife about this first? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, no, not really. <laughs> I said, we 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 tell the football players they're more than welcome. I said, now, look, I'll run it by her. I said, but, you know, I, I'm sure it'll be fine. So, I of course, I asked my wife, and she's like, well, am I going to be cooking for him? Am I? I'm like, I don't know. We didn't discuss that stuff, you know? And uh, so... So he moves in, and I mean, he he's part of the family, you know, um, and uh, we, I was approached a uh, week before last from the head coach letting me know that one of our football players, that um, his mom has been diagnosed with cancer again, and that their closest family members are in North Carolina. So I started sharing with my wife about it, and she's like, is he getting ready to move in with us? And I'm like, well... He might be. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, I mean, we just, we, we do. We look at this as the, these individuals, they're our family. And the interesting thing is, is we, we take the football players every year at the beginning of the season. We, we take them as a team to, to one of our supporting churches. And um, the majority of the football team, they don't, they don't look like me, okay? And we were at a church year before last. And a guy comes up to me, and he's on staff at the church, and he goes, all right, I don't know how to ask this, so I'm just going to ask it. I said, okay, what? And he goes, how does a white guy like you minister to these black kids? And I said, dude, it's time and love. That's all it is. And and then I was able to share with him a couple of stories, and he was just blown away. And, and that's it's it's interesting because... Like the coach who's living with us, he doesn't look like me, and we go out to eat, and it's interesting because we went out to to eat on um, Friday night for my wife's birthday, and he walks in with my sons and my wife and I, and so we tell them there's five of us, and they see the four of us that look alike, and say, well, is everybody here? And we're like, yeah, we're all here, you know, and I I counted, you know, now, oh, okay. <laughs> um but it's a situation you just go in and you love on people. You, you don't see color. You see an individual that God loves, and that God wants you to pour into. So that that's my little spill about um, FCA. I do have a a short little uh little sermon for you. Um, I asked Joel how long I had. He said he usually goes twenty five or thirty minutes or until he's done. And I said, well, hey, the Falcons aren't playing until tomorrow night, so. I got all afternoon, right? <laughs> so, um, on January 13th of this, this year, 2018, does anybody remember what what happened on that day that, that caused some panic? Um, anybody? If I said a text alert at Hawaii, would that bring back in memory? So, do you remember that? So on January 13th of 2018, this message was broadcast across TV, radio, hotel intercoms, text messages, everything to the people of Hawaii. This is what it said, emergency alert, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii, seek immediate shelter, this is not a drill. There there are stories of, of people taking cover in bunkers. Stories of hotel guests, some who were on their honeymoon, gathering all of their belongings and seeking shelter in the the hotel kitchen because it was in the bottom of the building. Stories of families racing out of their beds and heading to their basements for for safety and shelter. Stories of people driving over 100 miles an hour on the interstate. Stories of college students leaving their classroom to go to a, a bunker only to find that it was locked and have to run all the way back across campus to the the classrooms and take cover on the floors. Stories of people pulling over on the interstates under bridges and, and, and things like that. Stories of family members who were away on business, trying to call their loved ones and text them and frantically trying to contact them, but couldn't get in touch because the phone systems were jammed. Stories of people actually putting their children in manholes in the street because that was the only place they could find cover basically Hawaii was sheer chaos now what would you do if you got a similar text message saying that there was a missile headed for Georgia what would you do that's where you can tell me what's that same thing they did, same thing they did. what what are some other responses make sure you're not close to the big gas containers in bremen what else just pray if there's a missile you you probably aren't going to have a whole lot of safe places it's interesting when i when i ask students like hey i'd get in my car and start trying to drive away i'm like dude it ain't gonna work (laughs) it's gonna get you you know but again we would try and do something to, to make sure we were safe. Um, now, we know now that that message was sent out by mistake, and it was all a hoax. But it was 38 minutes from that initial message until the second message came through saying that it wasn't true, that it was fake, and that it was a hoax. Can you imagine the relief the people of Hawaii felt you know, some people, as a result of the fear and anxiety that had been built up for the last 38 minutes, just began crying. Crying on the one hand because the fear and anxiety was, that had built up, but on the other hand that, that it didn't actually happen. 38 minutes, the people of Hawaii were running scared and feared for their lives, and rightfully so. 38 minutes is only 2,280 seconds. Now, is 38 minutes a long time? You say no? It depends on the situation, doesn't it? It depends on the situation because 38 minutes, it seems like a very short amount of time if that's all the time we have to spend with a friend. 38 minutes seems like a very short amount of time if, if that's all the time you have to spend with your significant other thirty eight minutes seems like the time flies if that's all the time you have left to study for a test or finish a project at work thirty eight minutes seems like seemed like an eternity, though, watching the Super Bowl two years ago. Too soon. <laughs> Those last thirty eight minutes were torturous, weren't they? They seemed like forever thirty eight minutes it actually seems like an eternity when it's the end of the day on Friday. And when you get done with work or school, you're leaving on a week vacation. Those 38 minutes will drag on. 38 minutes seems like an eternity, young people, when you're waiting on that first date with that special guy or girl. 38 minutes seems like an eternity when you're just ready to get out of work, get off of school, whatever. But 38 minutes for the people of Hawaii seem like a very short time to prepare for their potential death. But 38 minutes for the people of Hawaii seemed like an eternity before they received that next text message saying it was a hoax. So 38 minutes, depending on the situation, could be a long time or a short, short time. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had some situations in my life where I thought my life was getting ready to come to an end. Okay? I still think back to in high school, And it was a long time ago. (laughs) So I was on student government. I was waiting for the president of the student government to come pick me up because we had this area-wide student government thing, and we had to be at the school by 8 o'clock to get on a bus and be in Griffin by 9, okay? So it took 12 minutes from our house to get to the school. So it was 7.45, and my buddy wasn't there yet. So I'm like, all right, you know. And this is way before cell phones, okay? (laughs) So you're just having to wait. So 7.46 comes and goes, 7.47, 7.48, and I'm like, we're going to be late, 7.49. He finally shows up at 7.52. So we have eight minutes to get to the school. It takes 12 minutes. We made it on time. Do you know what it's like to shave four minutes off of a 12-minute drive? <laughs> Not only did I think I was going to die that day, but I recommitted my life to Jesus a number of times on that, on, on that ride to the school. Okay, You, you probably have some similar stories. I, I still remember, too, when I was working at the college, there were a number of, of chur- uh, churches from the area that were going up to a Wanata Valley for a weekend retreat. One of the things that Awanata had recently done was bought a Hummer from the, from the military. And they had, you know, hey, we're going to go take some mountain rides. I'm like, dude, this is going to be awesome. So hop in the back of that thing, and there's no seatbelts. I'm like, well, all right, that's fine. Well, the further we got up the mountain, the narrower those roads became. <laughs> Yeah, I I started committing my life to Jesus again on that trip because I was like, I'm going to, we're going off the edge, you know. But there were times in my life that I really thought that the end was coming, you know. But think about if you went to the doctor and they told you you had 38 minutes to live. How would you react? Who would you call? Who would you text? You know, what would your last Instagram, um, Twitter, Uh, facebook what what would your last social media post be the thing is is we don't know if we have 38 minutes to live do we we don't know just like it we shared in the 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 bible study this morning during during sunday school jesus tells us we don't know the day or, or hour we have no idea as a matter of fact, the, the Bible tells us that Jesus, that the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And he shared this, and I looked at Joel. I said, dude, I'm using this today. <laughs> it's crazy how God works. But, uh, I, you know, if a thief was coming to your house tonight, you knew a thief was coming, okay? Wouldn't you take some steps to prepare for that? I mean, you, first you'd probably get your family out of the house, Right? And if you didn't call the local authorities, you would call your buddy that had a small or large arsenal of weapons <laughs> that you could take care of business when that thief came in your house, right? And, and it's interesting, too, We I don't want us to get the, the terminology confused, because it says that the Lord will come like a thief in the night, because the thief is actually Satan. It tells us in Scripture that, you know, the thief will come to steal, kill, and destroy. and That's Satan god's not doing that, it just says he's going to come like a thief in the night okay so let's don't don't confuse those those phrases there but if we knew that that we were getting ready to be robbed that night by a thief, we would do everything we could to to take precautionary measures now, if we don't know a thief's coming, most people probably have an alarm system, right? A lot of people these days have alarm systems so you could still take a precautionary measure and set your alarm. Now, that's not going to stop a thief from getting in your house. It just means they have a lot less time to be there, you know. Um But you probably also have a gun. <laughs> I've got a few. Um that, that can kind of deter them from coming in. But you you don't know if they're actually coming. So if you know the thief's coming, you're gonna take um you're gonna take some steps. And and the Bible says that that Satan will um that that the That The Lord will come like a thief in the night, um, but he's not there to to destroy us. But we do know this. The Lord is coming back. The Lord's return is going to happen, and it's going to be like a thief in the night. And there are some things that we can do to prepare for that, right? I mean, when you die, you're going to go one of two places. The Bible's clear on that, right? you're going to heaven or hell. That's it. There's no in-between. Those are the two choices. So with that being the case, every time when the the gospel is presented, you you make a choice. Some have already made the choice and decision that, hey, I've given my life to Christ. I'm going to be with him in eternity. There are others who haven't made that choice. And if you haven't made that choice, you've made your choice, right? Because if you haven't made the choice, then you know where you're going when he returns. But we know he's coming back, right? So why don't we take the steps now to prepare for that? You see, if you haven't accepted him as your Lord and Savior, what, what are you waiting for? Now, I, I hope this doesn't happen. But we're not guaranteed our next breath, are we? we? We could walk out these doors and drop dead before we make it to our car. We could. So what are we waiting for? See, the people of Hawaii were warned of impending doom, and they took it seriously. We've been informed of impending doom when the Lord returns or when we die. But so many people don't take it that seriously, do they? Today I urge you to realize that this is a very serious matter. This could be your last warning before the Lord returns or before you die. This could be your last chance to make a decision for Christ before you're taken from this world. What will your decision be? You see, the people of Hawaii received a text message. We won't receive a text message. He's already given us his word and told us he's coming back. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Father, thank you for Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Father, and the um, number of lives that we get to touch each and every day for you. And Father, thank you for those who have given their life to you, and that Father, we can continue to pour into them and uh, deepen their relationship with you. Father, help us realize that um, you are coming back, and that Father, we can take steps right now to prepare for when you do return so that we know that we will be able to spend eternity with you in heaven. Father, we love you. Our desire is to become more like you. And it's in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen.